Oh, hello, and welcome to the Community Experience Podcast. We are so glad you're here. If you're one of our regulars, you're probably wondering why we haven't published in a while. We actually chose to sunset the show in early 2023, but the feed will stay active because so many of the episodes are timeless. If you want to learn more and search our back catalog, you can visit smartpassiveincome.com slash cxpodcast, all one word. Hey, we have an amazing event coming up, the Expert Advantage Workshop Series, where every day for a week, starting on Monday, May 20th, it's myself and another expert coming on to present to you about various kinds of things to help you with your brand and your business. Our brand new experts in residence and pro are gonna be there to co-host these workshops with me, and you're not gonna wanna miss it. You'll have a chance to ask all of them questions, and it's completely free to join. All you have to do is go to smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. Wednesday, May 22nd, we're gonna be talking trademarks, copyrights, how to know when to do it, what IP can you do it with, and the common pitfalls that most people fall into when it comes to intellectual property. 101 with Yasmin Salman Hamdan, and you're not gonna wanna miss that on Wednesday, May 22nd. And then finally, to finish off the expert week, on Thursday, May 23rd, we're gonna be talking with Pamela Slim, about how to monetize and scale your IP and position it and package it in a way that is unlike anything you've really been taught before. Incredible value from Pamela and all of our experts on our Expert Advantage Week. And all you have to do to sign up and join and get all the links that you need is smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. Again, one more time, smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. Join us on our Expert Advantage Workshop Series. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Again, smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. I think the main thing that people can do is learn how to connect the dots between what you do in community and what it means for the business. How do you tell the story of we did X, Y, and Z over here, and that equates to A, B, and C over here in terms of dollars or a percentage or whatever numbers it is that the company cares about or that your leaders care about? How do you tie that together and actually do the math for real and, and prove it? And then how do you tell a story around that? Well, hello there, and welcome to this week's episode of the Community Experience. And if it's your first time here, welcome. I am the host, Jillian Benbow. And for the next however many minutes, I am talking to two wonderful guests, Erica Cool and Brian Oblinger. And they together host another community podcast that you simply must subscribe to. In Before the Lock, and we'll get into that name and a little bit more about it in the interview. Why should you listen to this episode or any of Brian and Erica's episodes? Excellent question, dear listener. Brian has been in the internet game since the 90s, which is, I keep forgetting how long ago that was because I'm old. <laughs> Not to say that Brian is, but he's been in the internet space since the 90s, as have I. Brian has since done just all the things he's stumbled into community like we all do. And he has had every sort of title from content moderator to vice president of customer experience, worked for very big companies, and now is really working on just what is the future of communities and what to build next. And Erica, <laughs> also incredibly impressive. She used to be the VP of community at a little company we know as Salesforce. If you've ever heard of Trailblazers, that's Erica's, that's Erica's baby. And, and not to say just her, but like she blazed the trail, wink, wink, if you will, 
at Salesforce. So kind of a big deal. She's worked with tons of big, well-known names to do, you know, community strategy and consulting, such as Slack, Zendesk, Atlassian, Google Cloud, and the list goes on. Lots of extensive experience in community. And so both Brian and Erica bring just a ton of experience in what we're calling enterprise community expertise. So these big companies and the strategy and the growth and the hiring and the politics and all of it that goes in with that. And it's such a valuable perspective to have, even if you are not in that situation in community, you will learn a lot from this conversation. And also, it's just kind of interesting to hear how do people get to that? I mean, this has become a legitimate professional direction and it didn't exist that long ago. So these are the real trailblazers. Now that that term's in my head, I can't not use it, but quite genuinely, like they are actual trailblazers in this world of digital community. So enough for me, let's get into it on today's episode of The Community Experience. All right, welcome to this episode, everyone. So excited because I have not one, but two legit community experts with me to talk all about community and especially about community kind of as a career and working for big communities and just all the fun stuff that the three of us have all done. And we all kind of do different things now, I would, I dare say. So it's going to be a good one. So buckle up and welcome to the show, Brian and Erica. Thanks for having us. Hello. Yeah. Thanks for having us. So Brian and Erica have their own community podcast, my rival podcast, if you will. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally different style show. But if you work in community, highly recommend because they talk a lot in depth about the stuff we talk about here. But I think in a just a, a really great way, like you have a whole episode on community guidelines. I recently listened to your episode about two archive or not to or like delete our archive and like what do you do with all that old stuff that maybe doesn't need to be there but maybe it does is an artifact so just curious tell us about each of you brian i'll throw it to you first just give us a quick little brief who are you and how'd you get into community mm, who am i that what a who question to start you? with. who are you uh, <laughs> very existential <laughs> yeah yeah i i uh the story goes that i fell into community at a really early age, both my age being early, as well as the internet being early. And just so happened that I stumbled into communities like right away, like literally the first day I ever got on the internet and uh, just kind of worked my way up and did every job in community and just have amassed, you know, a bunch of, I would say knowledge, but it's more along the lines of, you know, what not to do, do the opposite of all the things I did for 20 years and you'll be in good shape. Yeah. So, you know, worked at a bunch of companies, worked at a community vendor, you know, doing consulting these days. So just kind of all over the place uh, as far as uh, as community goes. I love that. Yes. Huh. Uh, there's a quote I wanted to say and I just and then it went out of my brain. It was like, haha, too slow. So, yeah, I can never pull out quotes at the right time. Anyway, <laughs> I was like, I have the best thing. If only <laughs> my brain would synapse. Come on. <laughs> Erica, how about you? How did you get into community? Yeah, similar to how everybody gets into community back in the old days, it was totally by accident. I started at a 
just a tiny little company called Salesforce that <laughs> a lot of people know now, but back then they didn't. I started the company when it was about 175 people and I was hired to actually teach system administrators how to use Salesforce. And why that's important to the story of how I got into community is that while we were learning a piece of tech together, we were also a bit on a movement and a bit on a journey to change the way people really use or don't use software. And so we just connected with each other really strongly in that class. After they left, and after four years of watching students leave the classroom and try to forge this digital transformation, and I'm doing air quotes and people can't see it, but then I was like, we should create a space for people to continue talking to each other regardless of where they are in the world and whatever their job titles are or whatever. And so I decided to cash in on that idea about four or five years into my journey at Salesforce and started my first community, which was not even a word. I think it was like a portal or something or I don't know, fancy listserv. And yeah, that's how it started. And after many years of blood, sweat, and tears, it started working. And it's still working there today. And yeah, there's this little thing called Trailblazers that everybody seems to love. That is our community. And so after many years of doing that, I took a step out uh, just almost three years ago and decided that more people need Trailblazer communities and more people need to know how to connect it to business value and and just reap all the amazing things that Salesforce was able to reap. Yeah, so now I I get to do this for other people, which is really fun. And I feel a like a deep responsibility to this industry to keep moving it forward. The reason I started my own business and didn't go and do this for another one company was because I just think there's there's so much that needs to happen still. As an industry, as a niche, we are we're not far enough along. And so there's just not a lot of us in the world to do that. And so I feel really, really passionate about keeping that moving forward. So that's why I started my company was to help as many people as possible, but also just push the industry, which is why we do the podcast is like, just get all of that nonsense out of my head and out of Brian's head and get it into other people's heads as fast as we can. So we can catch up with how fast this industry is moving. Yeah, it makes sense. And there is something special about, I've done consulting in between like traditional roles as well. And Oh, gosh, I love it. I mean, I wish I had time to still do it, honestly, because you get to come in and just like someone is kind of like you Marie Kondo, someone's company, like you come in and it's just a mess and you kind of look through it and it's not stressful to you. It's fun to you, you know, and it's like, oh, well, have you ever thought about this really obvious thing to someone who builds community, but to you is like an aha. And so you're their hero in many ways where you're like, yay, I do have a skill set, but it's also just genuinely helping people right? Like just love going into someone's community and trying to help them make it better. It's magic, right? It is magic. And that's one of the, like, when I thought about your Marie Kondo reference, it's, it's true. Like, but one thing I had to stay focused on is that what I didn't realize is that growing up, literally growing up at a company that was on a, just a rocket ship, I learned a lot of other things along the way. And so when I started consulting for the first time after being in a big brand for 18 years, I was like, I couldn't help uncover just like a billion rocks at these companies that I was now being brought into. But I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, I'm here. I'm here to do this thing. I need to do this thing first. And then if I get pulled into other things, that's great. But like, I I just was quickly like, um, you know, a kid in a candy store looking at other people's messes or or challenges and staying focused on that. But that it is so much fun. And I think what's more fun to me lately is that now I'm in the business of building leaders as fast as I can because 
I, I don't need to do it. I, I've done it. I have all of the frameworks now. And now I've shifted my focus on just making as many people that are trying to do this as their, as their careers inside organizations as like wildly successful as possible and staying totally in the background. Um, once I'm brought in, it's not my responsibility to build my reputation. It's like all them. And so that's been my like super filling my cup is just seeing them take that, just absorb all of that and become amazing. And then knowing when I leave, because I'm not hanging out, I'm not like Accenture or PwC, I'm, a, I'm like success and out, you know, and then I know that they're, they're set up for success. Oh, yes. I love it. I love it. It's not all roses and sunshine and consulting, but no, God, there's, no. there's something wonderful about it for sure. It's cool. Especially spending like so long at a brand, you know, it's, like, yes. it's so, it's like whiplash difference. It's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So how did you and Brian connect and then start in before the lock? Well, Brian will tell you a different story, but you know, <laughs> There's many stories, but I, how we literally started in before the lock is we were having a sit down. We're having some queso. And now every year we eat queso and celebrate our podcast, you know, but he pitched me on this idea because the very reason that I said is just like, how do we get all this institutional knowledge out of our brain and into other people's brains? And there's so many podcasts out there, not yours, but other podcasts that are, they're not as tactical and actionable. And we just... We wanted to do something different. We wanted to do something where we could make it actionable, but still get all the information out. But we wanted to give everything away for free. We were literally like, take the templates, use the templates. And so Brian came up with that idea of like, let's just let's just go deep on topics. Let's not be restricted by the confines, what you hear in the podcast world of like 30 minutes or less. And let's just pick a topic that's important and just go. I mean, we're, we prepare. Well, Brian prepares. And then I just show up and blab. But we prepare, you know, and we just go on a topic till we can't go anymore. So the knowledge is out. So it's like a he came up with the concept of like, it's the podcast that you do when you're folding your laundry or walking your dog, like, and you can pause it, write stuff down and come back to it. It doesn't have to just be like confined for a reason. And the other thing that he suggested that I love to differentiate and to just get this knowledge out and stay true to moving this industry forward is to not necessarily have speakers come on, like guests come on. You know, for right now, we just like, it's unbelievable. You, you brought up one where we spent an hour talking about guidelines so we can like literally talk. For, and so we wanted to differentiate that way. And then with staying true to our purpose of moving this industry forward and giving things away for free and getting knowledge out of our brains. So that's how it was born. And Brian, you can say why we named it the way we named it and how we came up with the logo and that stuff. That was you, my next question. Yeah. I was like, was this a pandemic thing? <laughs> You, it sounds like it could be, but it was before that. So, Brian, take it away. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted something that was, I wanted something that was kind of an inside joke, or, or, you know, it, it's it's ours, it's our thing, right? And I've always liked podcasts or really any media that has like a really interesting name that kind of I kind of want people actually to ask, what does that mean? <laughs> what what is that? You know? And I hope people Google it or they go to our about page and they read about it. But basically. In before the lock is a phrase that if you've been on forums, you know, back in like the 90s and the early 2000s, when a when a topic or a discussion is completely off the rails and about to be locked by a moderator, 
people will pop in the discussion and say in before the lock. And that's just their way of getting a free post, essentially. That's the reference. And we, we just wanted something that our audience, you know, owned and, and felt like was kind of a cool, funny callback to the the forums of, of the old days. Of yesteryear. Community 1.0. <laughs> it's like now it's the the equivalent is the people who post first on like social media, which I w- I'm not not that I'm saying social media is community. It is not. I will die on that hill. But, you know, just the you see like a TikTok or whatever. And someone's there's one comment first. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're at 90 episodes. So congratulations. That's a feat. We just celebrated a year. Ooh, nice. And we're, so we're like in the 50s. And I'm like, oh, it's so much work. So I can only imagine. It is so much work. 90. Yeah. The, uh, the, the hard truths of podcasting. I'm, and I can't complain because I have a whole team helping me. So, but it's worth it. It's great. And I, I like, I like your format. I think it's actually harder than this format of like bringing people on and talking to them. I recently did a solo show. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. Anyways, it was a, it was a learning experience, something I thought I'd be really good at, you know, just, it's like, oh, I just have to like blab on, but like by yourself. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know if I could do it by myself. I mean, Brian and I have a you have a good rapport. We didn't even know each other that well, honestly. Like it, it, but it just was like it worked, and we're very different people. You don't see the blooper reel of what happened before this podcast started, but you know, we just we're I'm a I'm a I'm a shoot from the hip a lot of times. I mean, I've I've turned everything into strategies and formulas and methodologies now, but like you know, I I. I'm a little bit of a whirling dervish. I'm late all the time. I'm a bit of a hot mess. And and Brian is like so organized and methodical, yet hilarious, but dry. And like, so our personalities like work really well together. And yeah, I think we didn't know what was going to happen. We still don't know what's going on. We're just still like, (laughs) we're still making stuff up as we go, but it, it's working. It's fun. I think the we shared in the mission, which was there, there was like two core tenets, right? One is I want people to learn something from this. I want people to legitimately walk away at the end of an episode saying, wow, like I picked up a couple of nuggets or I'm going to go use that template or, you know, so many podcasts are just devoid of any value or content and it's just people talking. And so I, I really wanted people to walk away with that. And the second one is we're entertainers, right? Even if you don't think of yourself like that, you're asking people for their time when they could be listening to something else, watching something else, working. And I take that kind of seriously that they, they're making that investment. And so I figure if you're going to tune in, I should probably make it fun and interesting and, you know, not, you do. not you do. super boring. You definitely do. <laughs> well, and just the, the brain power, the experience that you both bring to it is, I mean, it's a gem. Yeah, because you both have lots of experience from just, like you said, from the beginning, back when community was first starting. And I think all of us and Brian, for sure, you've been in it longer than me. And I feel like I've been in it forever, right? So something I wanted to just to talk about is you you both have this like enterprise level experience. And what I mean by that for everyone listening, we have a lot of people who listen who are solo entrepreneurs that have communities to do with their business or, you know, they're launching a community as part of just like that is what they focus on. And the three of us actually have experience in working for very big companies 
and working in the community space in that. And I think we, you know, we also have community managers who listen. So I love to talk about how, you know, I always want to support people who are doing this as a career and want to do it as a profession and like the opportunities to, to grow everything. But I'm curious from both of your experience, like if you could give advice to a junior community manager working at say, I mean, I'm in a tech startup or something where it's big, it's a big, big enterprise community. Like what are your thoughts for someone like that? Like how can they best feel empowered? Big question. I think Brian knows what I'm probably going to say. And I, I mean, we, we can't, and I'm speaking on behalf of Brian. I don't normally do that, but I know he agrees with this and he's I'm, whatever he's going to say, I'm agreeing with too, just because this is a really big deal is focusing on, on business acumen. Like I just, I was just talking to somebody recently and they were, they were asking me like, what was the, how did you make Salesforce care about community when it didn't matter? Every single time I go back to, I could, since I grew up there, literally, I grew had my babies there. I grew up there, like company grew up. Like, but I knew the business. I knew everything about the business. I knew the product side, the customer success side. I knew the customer support side and marketing. And I could speak the language of business from early on. And so I didn't ever really talk about community as community because actually wasn't a thing then. I talked about what I was doing and how it was going to make their job better and how it was going to make them more effective and efficient at what they did and then how they were then going to give back. Like, what do they need to do to get that? And that's all I did was talk about it that way to each part of the business in the way that matters to them. Because it's not the same, you know, one's product adoption, one is customers, you know, attrition, one is expanded use cases or expanded products, whatever. You can't not have that in this world. If we're going to step up and we're going to be legitimate in this industry and we're going to breed leaders that stick around and have communities that are woven beautifully into the DNA of companies community managers, little, big, medium, whatever, you have to have this. So I just think that that's the most important thing that I would say is if you don't know it, go get it. Go get that knowledge. Yeah. I think it's good advice. You know, I also, I built some hobbyist and like kind of enthusiast communities back in the day before I really got into the I guess I'll call it the corporate side of things. And yeah, there's a difference, you know, you go from doing it for love to doing it for money, right? And it doesn't mean you can't still love it, but it means that there's a difference in like what your motivation is of why you're creating this community. I don't think the fundamentals change. I think there's still 60 or 70% of what we do that's applicable to any type of community, whether you're doing it for love or for money or for both. But it's that extra 30 or 40% that makes all the difference in the world. And I think that's what Eric is talking about is, is it's like, okay, what's changed here? Well, now you work for a company, they have goals, they have a lot of money on the line, they have employees on the line, the business has specific asks or needs that need to be met because Wall Street or the board or whoever is saying that they need to be met. And if you don't, you don't work there anymore. So the pressures are very real. And I think that to Erica's point, the best thing you can do is learn how to speak the language of whatever environment you're in. In this case, you know, we're talking about business. I think the main thing that people can do is learn how to connect the dots between what you do in community and what it means for the business. How do you tell the story of we did X, Y, and Z over here, and that equates to A, B, and C over here in terms of dollars or a percentage or whatever numbers it is that the company cares about or that your leaders care about? How do you tie that together and actually do the math for real and, and prove it? And then how do you tell a story around that? I think those are you know sort of the big differences between those types of communities and the mindset you have to have. And I think that's what 
Erica and I have just been really good at channeling both in our, our careers working at companies, but also as consultants is helping other people figure out if I do a specific program in a community, what does it mean? Okay. You know, it contributed to retention. It contributed to lead generation. It contributed to support case deflection, whatever the number is. That's what I think we espouse all the time and and what other people need to really put their focus on. I mean, I think even if you're in a small hobbyist community or like I was just talking to a, a guy recently who started like fan communities for bands, it still applies there too. Like a band that's going to hire someone to run their community is going to want to know how they're spending their money too. They want to know that like, yeah, you have all these super fans and then, but you still have to prove that the super fans buy more swag or something that, you know, their, their spend is still more. So yeah, we need to focus on these, you know, if I'm saying I want to build out this program, I need to say that like, I'm building this super fan program and because we did the numbers and the numbers say that they, they buy 90% more, you know, than someone that doesn't. So like Brian said, it totally applies to everybody, whether you're a, a community manager that's starting out at a, fan, you know, with a band or whether you're at Salesforce or Alteryx or something, you know, it's so it, it's super applicable. You just have to do it. We all love what we do. We love our community members. You don't forget, you know, the passion that you're doing and the people behind what you're doing, but you have to connect it to some kind of value if you want to stick around for the long game. Well, and I'll also say that one begets the other, right? I think oftentimes this gets positioned as a zero sum, you know, you can either love your community or you can get the money for your company. And I think the answer is that you can actually do both. You can play them off of each other in organic ways that don't feel icky, you know. And it turns out that if you actually succeed in connecting the dots and telling that story, and guess what happens? You get more budget, you get more headcount, you get more capability as a community builder to then turn around and invest that back into let's go solve these people's problems. Let's make their life better. Let's make the community a better place for them to exist. And in that way, you can actually, dare I say, build a flywheel where the two things, Ooh. you know, I love my buzzwords, where they exist together and and in concert with each other. It's not an either or. And I think a lot of people, you know, sort of miss that in this whole conversation. This whole idea of the storytelling piece, right? And connecting the dots and speaking the language. It's so valuable. So, so valuable certainly for people working for a company where, and sadly, community still has to prove its worth a lot of times. I was just reading the Community Roundtable State of Community 2022 report. And there, one of the questions for the people who, who filled out the survey was, where does your department sit? Where does community sit in your company? And it was fascinating to see the results. I mean, a couple, I think somewhere in IT, which is like, or, you know, and maybe, maybe it's like a, like an Apple type support. I don't know. But even that I was like, huh. And you saw like marketing and product, of course, were two very big ones. I'm very happy to report that, you know, there was a community is its own thing. We report to the C level, which, you know, yes. Good for you. <laughs> but yeah, it's a. Uh, so it's interesting to see, but in that framework, thinking about that, it just shows how important it is working in community, even if you're not the director of your department or anything to really, to both of y'all's points, like hone in on being able to tell that story and depending who you talk to kind of dictates how, you know, what story you're telling maybe because it is, it's true. And I think this also relates anybody listening who is that more solopreneur creator that has community. It's the same thing. You're going to be having these conversations with your members. You're also going to be solving for like, what is the point of this programming? Is it retention? Is it revenue? Is it 
just because it sounded cool and I don't actually know and it's a ton of work and why am I doing this and maybe I should spend my time on something else. <laughs> all you know, all good things to think about. Yeah, if they're starting it themselves, they should be asking themselves that question like self. Why am I doing this? Like, what is the point of this? Because Jillian, yeah, even why are you yeah. doing this? Why yep. are you doing this? Yeah, it's important. <laughs> good old strategy. Yeah, I have to say too, Jillian, like the, the interesting thing is, you know, community still has to prove itself. I, I'm, I have bad news, I guess, for, for everybody listening, which is everybody has to prove everything all the time. We may not see it, right? That's the reality is we may not see marketing you know, getting destroyed in a meeting somewhere about their budget or they spent whatever on a campaign that didn't work. Or, you know, the CEO saying, why are we spending so much money on customer success when the product sells itself? Like everybody's under fire all the time at every company always. We don't always get to see it. And so I think there's sort of this, you know, we have our blinders on a little bit sometimes and it's like, oh, well, only community has to fight super hard for what they want. And I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, fortunately slash unfortunately, that everybody has to do this. And so whether it's community or you work anywhere else, the reality is you have to learn how to connect those dots and tell that story. And that's the only, like, what do you, what do we think that other people are doing at companies? Do you think the money's just flowing into their pocket and yeah. they don't have to ask for it? You know, I mean, it's, it it's kind in. of a, it's kind of one of those things we, we tend to believe we're the only ones, but it's really everybody. I haven't decided if that is good news or bad news, but agree. <laughs> I'll let the listener decide. <laughs> yeah, it's up to up to all y'all. I actually think it's good news because you it just that means you never stop pushing. Like you you're always you're putting enablement within the organization front, you know, all the time, like constantly, constantly pushing. I mean, the, I think oftentimes people think still think community is like an event. You know, it's like you you launch it and then you're like, bye. And then everyone goes back to their day jobs is like, no, this isn't, it's not a sprint. It's not, it, you know, it's not a half marathon. It's not even a marathon. It's like, it's ongoing. Like, and so it's that Forrest just, Gump. Yeah, yeah, it is Forrest Gump. It's exactly. So you just like keep on going and you have to, but that means you have to get real comfortable with, with being a broken record and just saying the same things. Cause there's always new people coming in and you're never, if you sit back and rest, this is not your job. This is not a job for you because someone's going to take over. And so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a, our fighter mentality is good to have just as long as you don't like get grumbly about it. I'm like, why, why me? Poor me. It's like, no, <laughs> like be that fighter and go fight. Just continue to fight and continue to fight. So. I mean, it's definitely a skill set I look for when hiring in community is, are you scrappy? Yeah, seriously. Because <laughs> even if, you know, and, and I'm very fortunate, I'm hashtag blessed to, you know, work for a company where community is the priority and our, our department, you know, does a lot and I'm not worried about us, right? In that sense, not to say I, I shouldn't be still, you know, yeah, being vocal, but regardless, like we've, we have to be scrappy because that is that's community. Even with the fanciest of platforms and big teams, guess what? Your onboarding's outdated because uh, there was a slight software change on the platform you used, and so now we need to audit. You know, like that's just how it is like, all the time. My old boss was when I she I moved over to her organization. She was like, "I cannot believe you built." like an entire community with your Amex card. You know, it's like, I would just take my Amex card to like the bare minimum limit because I didn't have a budget, but I'm like, I'm not st letting that stop myself. And I, quite honestly, some of the best advice if I'm being like super honest with people is it's better to build a community with no budget 
because then you actually have to do it. You have to do the hard work. You have to fight literally for everything and you build truest of truest relationships. You don't skip over any steps. So if you have no budget, you just have to make it work. And so I try to make people pretend like you don't have a budget. <laughs> so it's a hard time. That is the juiciest hot take. I love it. <laughs> so let's let's dive into that a little bit. If someone's creating a community and they want to do the no budget, the mentality, like what do you tell them to do? What are the practical, like what does that look like? Is that you can't buy all these different tools and softwares and get really heavy on the I mean, yeah, um, like the products, it's more. Yeah, so definitely. But for me, it's more like the engagement stuff. Like if you think about when you just launch a community, you have to do the hard work. Like you, you have an opportunity at the beginning that you will never have again, which is to connect with those first couple members and do all the really, really super unscalable stuff that you don't buy. There's nothing that $100,000 is going to do to build a relationship with those first few people that are doing amazing things because they're not doing it for money. So you don't, giving them money is not even what you need to be doing. So it's, it's trying to, to get people out of like thinking about spending a lot of money on fancy programs or huge swag budgets and more just like take this opportunity to actually talk to that person and ask him like, that is so awesome. You did that thing. Why did you do that thing? And what can we do to make doing that thing easier and do it for more people? Like they want to, people want to skip over all that step. And like, I dream about being back in those days of those the one-on-ones. Yeah. Like, like exactly. chats. I actually yeah. had a phone. I picked up the phone that looks, you can't see me either. I'm on a podcast, With but a like cord. a phone, not the phone. Yeah. A cord and just called <laughs> people literally on the phone and just, and then it became the reason why everything was successful. Like, I knew exactly why people were doing what they're doing. And then it created a strategy of why it did things. And so no money is going to buy that. You just, you have to do the hard work. It should be exciting at that beginning stage and you shouldn't want to rush. It's like rushing through being a kid. You know, it's like, oh, I just want to be a teenager. And that's like, I want to be an adult. And you're like, oh, now I'd be a kid again. You know, so it's, I just, that's what I tell people that mindset of just like throwing money at things is not always going to, is not going to do it. You have to just be excited about those early days. Yeah, money Money is a tool, not a strategy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh. Say so deep. Absolutely. This sums it up like that, Brian. <laughs> just mic drops. Um, Whatever. You're just blabbing on. Done. <laughs> Never mind. That's the episode good. title right there. There you go. <laughs> but it's it's that. So I mean, yeah, you, it would be great. It's great to have a tool. You have to have you have to be built on something. But even that, at the end of the day, I mean, I I built a gigantic community on a pretty low budget platform back in the day that didn't even exist, hacked together, dumpster fire of a bunch of different platforms. But it still did it because at the end of the day, it's about people wanting to connect with each other and get information, share information, you know, be elevated, be celebrated. Bells and whistles are super nice, but that's not going to build a community for you. Definitely not. Uh, I just want to like sit here and think about that for 20 minutes. But for everyone's sake, I will not. It's like um, dead air. Dead air. Yeah, it's like, hold on, everyone. Brian can Gotta... sing. He's a musician. He can play some. Oh. He can play some music while we, I can tap Excellent. dance. If you'd like. I, oh, we could have a whole like band. <laughs> I, I don't know. You grab like a tambourine or something. Oh, yeah. That, that's amazing. And when you think about Salesforce in particular, like I think anybody in community knows about Trailblazers and knows that it's a very kind of like one of those North Star type communities and to hear 
that it was built in that way. I mean, that's a huge, that's huge for anybody who's feel, especially if anybody listening is feeling discouraged because it's like, if I just had this one shiny thing or whatever, it's like, it really is. I mean, community always comes down to people and it can be those like old fashioned things called telephones or even shoot a postcard. That's something I'm exploring. Cause it's like, it's so special anymore to get something in the mail that isn't junk mail. Yeah. Yeah. I love sending people like cards in the mail and just, I don't even know how much a stamp costs anymore, but point being like, it's, it's not scalable, but it's delightful. And so if I can do it or when I can, I will. I actually have, have one right here for a member oh, just oh, to prove nice. it. I, I mean it. <laughs> I love the written word. I, yeah. I, it makes me, I lose my mind when I hear people are like, oh, it's trailblazers. Trailblazers created the community. Like the word, the identity is like, no. No, it's it like didn't. It's me, actually. Like, well, I mean, it's not even that so much. It's just like ha- actual hard work and yeah. listening and building. And it's it has, it quite honestly has nothing to do with, wait, everyone's going to go crazy. Actually, it's nothing to do with the word trailblazer. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's a cool identity. And like it, it did. It does work. It did, name, it yeah. did like pull people together as a unit. You know, they're like put on their hoodie with the word trailblazer and like does make you feel like you're part of a bigger thing. But it's the community behind it. It's not, you know, I have a joke all the time with Holly Firestone that when we were like renaming the community back in the day and there was like, okay, fine with trailblazers. That makes sense. But it could be called the poop community. Like, because it doesn't matter to the people. What matters is that they have a place to connect all the time and engage. Oh, totally. So yeah, call it trailblazers. That is great. But that does not make the Trailblazer community what it is today. It's the insane programs and connection and mentorship and growth and, you know, all those things. And that started, just like I said, you know, it started from the very, very beginning doing all those really wildly unscalable things on an Amex card, like buying Pliny the Elder for a member that loved that beer. And he's amazing and can't get it in Boston and like illegally shipping beer to Boston. You know, that's the kind of stuff that like people remember and they, it creates, it creates the flywheel, Brian, it creates the flywheel engagement. <laughs> Speaking of the flywheel, Brian, so you've worked for some very big companies that people would know the names of like PlayStation, Sephora, Sephora's. I'm sure you hate that. <laughs> I love calling it that <laughs> ironically, uh, guitar center, Comcast, like all these big, big companies. I can only imagine when looking at strategy, like community strategy, and is probably enveloped with brand strategy, almost a band garage band strategy, going through that experience, like what takeaways do you have as far as like kind of mistakes maybe that big brands kind of default to or just findings? Like, is there anything you can share with the audience about just that experience and dealing with community strategy on that level, next level scale? Three things come to mind, I guess, right off the top. One is companies go into this thinking about themselves. What value are we going to get out of this? What ROI are we getting? What value are we getting? And they, they might not think as much about the customer experience or the member experience or what problems we're trying to solve for members. And that's sort of, I think, the angle that Eric and I both come at when we do strategy with companies is we say, let's forget about us for a minute. Let's figure out how do we actually solve problems for these people. And that's how we're going to build a successful community. So I think that's number one. I think number two is not hiring, you know, the right people. Sometimes there's this idea that, you know, hey, someone in marketing just run this thing or whatever. And that's not a slight at all on that someone in marketing, right? Like they're smart people 
but they have their own day job, you know? And so we really try to encourage companies go hire someone who's done this and has experience and, and can sort of get you much further down the road than you would otherwise is a big one. I think we pretty much almost mandate that now. It's like, you know, there's certain exceptions or certain situations, but for the most part, it's like, listen, I, I'm going to walk away at some point as a consultant, right? I'm going to go away six months from now or a year from now. What happens next? You want to have someone that's there 40 hours a week or more inside your company that lives and breathes this thing and is the face of it. So that's, that's the number two. And I think number three, we, we've kind of talked a little bit about, which is like viewing it as a cost center, right? Getting so fixated on, oh, it's going to cost us, you know, $80,000 for a, for a platform and $100,000 for a community professional and this, that, and the other thing. And what I've always been telling people is when you do the things we were talking about earlier in terms of like connecting those dots and telling that story and saying, hey, did you know we saved the company a million dollars last year or whatever? Then it just becomes a very different conversation instead of it being, you know, look at all the money you're spending and everything it's costing us and we have to figure all that out. It, it actually kind of flips on its side and becomes, oh, so I gave you $200,000 and you turned it into 2 million. What would happen if I gave you another $100,000, could you turn it into 4 million? Like you just have different conversations inside companies at that point. And a lot of, you know, that takes some doing, but it also takes proof. It takes hard work. You have to show that before you get to that place. So it comes back to what Erica was saying before about business acumen and doing the work is that you have to prove it. But I'd, I'd say those are generally like the three things I see, you know, that lead to hard times and or failure of uh, community strategies. And you know, Jillian, we have a little thing that every time we say the word strategy, you, everybody has to do a shot. Because you know, so. <laughs> well. we, we say that word a lot. Be right back. <laughs> exactly. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Going to start slurring quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it is, it's like I already took shots. I feel like this is the theme of the day, not the shots, of course, but like the speaking the language, you know? Because it it really does come to that. Yeah. I mean, I just have pers- so many personal experiences with a community doing so well that then the like higher ups, if you will, question like, well, we don't need to fund this. Look how good it's doing with just no idea <laughs> like what's going into it. You know, the full time hours of curation and relationship building that makes it special. Unfortunately, you know. Sometimes when when that happens, those communities just are kind of ruined by their own success because the company pivots. Yeah, I'm just reliving my old my past here. I hear you on that, honestly, because I think that it's I'm getting a unique perspective of that where I'm no longer at Salesforce did that. But now I'm getting pulled in by so many ex-Salesforceians that are now at other companies doing awesome things. Like they, they land these really killer jobs, but they're at a company that doesn't have the Trailblazer community. And they're like, whoa, oh my God, I didn't know how hard it is to do my job without it because they never had to do their job without it. And so it is so wild to me how all of a sudden, and I don't need this, like I'm not saying I need the validation, but like, whoa, is it validating to just hear this, like, wow, I don't think I appreciated you when you were there. I don't think I really knew how hard it was. I don't think I really knew how much I relied on it. 
until I was at XYZ new company that doesn't have it. And then I'm lucky that I get to go and do that sometimes with them now, but I wish that it doesn't have to get there. I don't want it to get there with companies, but we're there still, just like we were saying at the beginning of this, like we're always going to have to work. And there'll be, as soon as we stop doing this, we'll have to start doing something new and we just have to be prepared for that. I was just talking to someone else. So we Brian and I were just at a community conference. So there's lots of conversations like this stuff coming up. So that's why I keep saying I was just talking about this. But I was talking to somebody about how the conversations I feel like have shifted. It doesn't mean like we've achieved like nirvana, but it's a lot less. This is why you need community. And now it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The, you know, think about what you're doing first. Like, do you really need community? And how do you want it? What are the business goals? So it's no longer a conversation of like, Yes, you need it, but it's like, here's how to do it, right? Here's how to make it align to what you need. So it's it's slightly different conversations happening. A lot of people still have to prove it. I get it. But like, I think we're starting to see things, different kinds of conversations happening. Which is so awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, and I, I think it's why, it's why you have to start communicating and never stop mm-hmm. communicating. Right. right. Um, I often tell people, if someone's asking, it's too late, right? For like the value story of like, why why are we doing this again? Or... What's going on here? If they're asking, then you've you've, lost. you've somehow missed it somewhere. You know, like yeah. you have to figure out what that story you're telling is and tell it and tell it and tell it and tell it. And then when they're sick of hearing it, you tell it again. And that's what you need to do so that that question can't plausibly come up. I'm not saying someone won't ask, but it'll just be like, hey, I mean, listen, I, I don't shut up about this. You know, I send out a weekly report. I you know, I'm at every company meeting. I have a slot. We talk about this. My door is always open. Like you just sort of run people out of excuses to not know internally about what the community is and why it matters and what value it's bringing. And so if they're asking, that probably means either they have willfully ignored it or you just haven't done as good a job as you think of communicating it. Or the the dream. I remember you saying this once, Brian, too. And I remember when it happened for me, when somebody had a slide in their slide deck for their all hands and it had community in it. And you were like, Oh my God, it's happening. You know, like that's, (laughs) that's the, you know, that's the dream. You have to have a bunch of advocates that are doing it for you. You know, that cliche of like things happen in rooms, you're not there. So they're talking about this community and the value. You can't be in every one of those rooms. You know, you have to have those people that recognize that value and can, not only recognize it, but actually spew it. So giving them the actual words is stuff that Brian and I have done in our careers. Like say these things, write these things. When someone says this, say this, like literally spoon feeding people so that they can feel comfortable. Cause often they just don't feel comfortable. They don't know. And people, you know, they, they just want to know what, what's inbounds, what's out of bounds. This is new territory, still very new territory for people. Yeah. I think that's the perfect mic drop as much as I want to just dive further, but just in the, in the interest of time, I think we could just go forever. I mean, yes, as you know, we, we really yeah. can. It's like, talk about community. <laughs> Don't tell me not to have a good time. Okay. So we're going to do a double rapid fire, which we'll just, uh, I'm just going in the order I see you. So Erica, you will start, you'll have the first answer, Brian, you'll have the second. So just boom, boom. So basically I'm just going to ask a question and then one word, one sentence responses, hence rapid fire. I will not ask follow-up questions, even though I want to, because I'm nosy. Let's do it. So Erica, difficult questions. What did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a child? A veterinarian. Same. Mm. What about you, Brian? Astronaut. Hey. All right. Erica, how do you define community? Connection. Brian. A group of people all coalesced around something or someone. 
Okay. You may or may not have an actual bucket list, but think like life goals. If you don't, Erica, what's something on your bucket list that you have done? You just switched it up. I mean, I have a bucket list. So perfect that I have done. I have helicopter skied, heli skied. Oh, come on. How can I? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to send you an email. Okay. <laughs> That's a Brian, new, a new one that I checked off on the bucket That's- list. Good for you. That's amazing. Probably the the best one I accomplished was tricking Erica Cool into being my friend. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's better than my answer. <laughs> I feel like that's a cheat, but for time, I'll allow it. Okay, and then the flip question: What's something on your bucket list that you haven't done yet? Hiking Kilimanjaro. I want to go to Antarctica. Mm, I dig all of these. Erica, what's a book you wish everyone would read, or a book you just read that you love? A prayer for Owen Meany. Brian. I recently, a few years ago, read the biography of, what's his name? This, the former CEO of Disney, Bob Iger. And I think I just thought it was a great book. All right. The audience doesn't know this. We know this. We all live in Colorado, so we live in great places. But Erica, if you could live anywhere else in the world, where would you live? I chose to live here, so it's, that's a tough one. Cool, this is so hard. Uh, Punta Mita. I think I'm going to have to go with Kauai. Hmm. Let's go on. Which part of the island? I mean, it's not that big. Any any particular part. Whatever they'll let me do. <laughs> yeah. The Nepali coast. I'll just sleep on the beach. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Final question. Erica, how do you want to be remembered? Oh, these are so hard, Jillian. The hardest one. I want people to... I suppose I just want people to think that I was a gracious person, that I that I lived my life with with gratitude first. Yeah. I think the same thing. I think I I just hope that people got some value some way, some form from me in my life, personally, professionally, otherwise, whatever it is. Yeah, I, I think the, the best thing you can do is like have an impact on someone's life. So that's what I hope someday someone remembers me for that. I mean, I Done. think that's one of check. the best answers. Check, check. <laughs> Done. All right. So I'm going to just rapid fire off some uh, links and you tell me if there are any more that we need. So to find Erica, it's ericacool.com. That is E-R-I-C-A-K-U-H-L. And then the podcast is IB4TL. IB4TL.FM. So the letters, the number four in before the lock. And then Twitter, you're at Erica Cool, just your mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything you can find me with Erica Cool, as long as you remember, my name is with a C and my last name is with a K. Not the other way around. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So cool by Erica Cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Brian, I have you at brianoblinger.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-O-B-L-I-N-G-E-R. <laughs> and then same with Twitter, your name, at Brian Oblinger. Any other links y'all want to share with the audience? Where can they find you? No, LinkedIn's the same way. All the things. Yeah. Well, everybody listening, go subscribe to the podcast. You will love it as much as I do. It's just hot community goss all day long. (laughs) Brian, Erica, thank you so much for being here. This was so fun. I love talking to other community people. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for sticking around. Wow. 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 So... I don't know about you, but are you thinking about, do I speak the language? 
And do I connect the dots for other people effectively? Because I am. And, you know, I've been in this space. I've been in the, the kind of enterprise space, if you will. And I can see in my past where that would have been helpful. I can think of very, a very specific meeting that I did not speak the language. And I wish I could time travel back and do it. But, oh, well, life goes on. So, yeah, I mean, whether your community is a free, small niche community that you run as, you know, as a passion project, or maybe you're a paid community manager at a corporation or company and you're listening. Hi, I see you, by the way. Thanks for listening. I think there's a lot to take away from this. And having business acumen is a big takeaway, whether or not you're thinking about community in that sense. And I think too, even if you aren't having to talk to a product team and the next day a finance team and the next day a vice president or whatever in a company, having that skill set will serve you even if you're talking to potential members, potential affiliates, you know, all of that, like being able to tell the story and sell for lack of a better term, but like really saw the value of whether it's joining your community or participating after you've joined or some sort of partnership. It's a highly valuable skill, regardless of, you know, the details of your community. You know how people will often talk about like, what's your elevator pitch? And, you know, I think it's really valuable to have that for community and Talking to Brian and Erica, I think increasingly it's valuable to have that maybe, you know, having a tweaked, slightly different elevator pitch, depending who you're talking to, right? So is it the potential member versus the potential affiliate or partner? I think it's something to add to my list to make sure that I have that polished because I know as time changes and community changes, it's also something like, is this even relevant anymore? You know? Because like, as I'm thinking about it, my go-to for our communities is very much about our pro community. But in reality, we have like four different options. It's not just pro, like we've expanded the options of membership at our company. And so I should be leaning into that, right? All right, homework. Excellent. Excellent. I have homework. So excited. The other big thing I think is super interesting about this, what Erica was talking about with like, build it without a budget, putting the minimums on the credit card that she was talking about. So instead of, and we all do this, right? And I do this as she was saying, I was like, whatever, no, just kidding. But, you know, we're looking in, at investing in a new tool that will help with the live event engagement because we all have Zoom fatigue. And it's kind of one of those things where will this really help with engagement or is this just shiny and new? Really focusing on the programming that works without that budget is huge. Really looking at what do people actually want, right? It, it always comes back to that. What do you actually want? When you join this community, why did you join and what are you expecting? And does that align with what we provide or what we're trying to provide, right? So all good things to think about. I also think the the point about companies specifically go into community thinking about themselves like and let's face it it's usually has something to do with revenue. So whether it's increase customer satisfaction for return purchases or create a more loyal customer base for 
just purchasing more in general. Sephora, Brian's a company Brian has worked with is a great example. If you are familiar with how Sephora's community works, you know, there's perks and things along the way, the more you purchase, but also if you're spending a lot of time in that community, nine out of 10 times, if you're creating a lot of content and reviews and helping people, you're spending a lot of money at Sephora, right? So companies are thinking about that piece. Like how do we get our already loyal customers to be even more loyal or whatever the, whatever the metric is they're looking to, to do. And our job, whether again, we're a community manager at Sephora, hello, sounds fun. Or we just have our own community. We even need to think like, it's not about what we want. It's what the members want. So shifting our own framework and whether thinking about that member, that customer, and how are we solving their problems? And then the piece that we're coming in for probably revenue, right? Or list growth, notoriety, whatever it is, like that's secondary. So yes, I could go on and on. I think I'll just end on the point. I just really love the point. (laughs) It's the irony. It's the catch 22. The thanklessness of community sometimes is that when Eric was talking about colleagues, when she was at Salesforce, colleagues would leave, go to a different company. And it was only then that they realized the big hole that trailblazers filled at Salesforce. And they didn't recognize it at the time because it was so baked in to the whole experience. And it wasn't until they went to a new place that didn't have that, that they could feel the difference. And yeah, I mean, yes, it's super bittersweet. And it's left me thinking, like, how do we prevent that? How do we, how do we make sure people see it while they're there? And while it's a part of their lives? I don't have the answer to that. If you do, I'd love to hear. Come at me on Twitter at Jillian Benbow if you have thoughts on that. But I think that's a really good place to end here and just a good thing to think about when you're thinking. (laughs) When you got time to think about things like that. So yeah, that's it for me. Otherwise, I will see you next Tuesday. All right, you can find Erica at her website, ericacool.com. Sounds like cool spelt like k-u-h-l in before the lock the website is ib4tl.fm and on twitter at erica cool and brian very similar you can find brian on his website brianoblinger.com and of course in before the lock and at brian oblinger on the tweets that's brian b-r-i-a-n-o-b-l-i-n-g-r your lead host for the community experience is me, Jillian Benbow. Our executive producer is Matt Gartland. Our senior producer is David Grabowski. And our editor is Paul Gregoris. Sound editing by Duncan Brown. Theme music by David Grabowski. See you next Tuesday. Tuesday.